Because I might be able to bring something that you need. You never know. I want to lend my voice to what is going on in the body of Christ here that I belong. And that is the affinity group that is going to be launched soon. <clears throat> and I believe that, uh, Pastor Larry, I believe that it's very scriptural. It's actually very scriptural. You see, if I don't believe anything is scriptural, I, I don't stand with it. Once I believe it, my hands and legs and hand is there. But always realize that I am, I'm only coming from a very small part of what the wisdom of God is. Very small part, that's all I know. Very little part. And one of the reasons why I believe in this affinity group is this. In the ancient Middle East culture, here's what they do. They group men based on their abilities and their capabilities and their anointing. So when you read the scripture, and that follows the trend of what you read in Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 6, Genesis, Genesis chapter 7. Everything is organized according to his kind. Everything. If you will ever see a nation that will prosper and sustain Hear that word very well. I didn't say that will prosper. I said that will prosper and sustain prosperity into ages. That nation must organize itself according to the kind of abilities that God has given. So they group men in their tens, group men in their twenties, in their fifties, in their hundreds, in their thousands, and then they set captains over them. The first time David was introduced into the scripture, after he fought Goliath and did everything, the first thing, when David was incorporated into the nation that is called Israel, Israel, the first group he joined was the group of 50. And he became the captain of 50. And the Bible said he went further. became the captain of a thousand. And go further until he became the king of Israel. If you have ever been to an orchard, this is how orchards work. Orchard is a place where you have all kinds of fruit trees planted. If you've ever been to one, they organize the fruits according to their kind. If you bring men that God has anointed with wisdom to sit down and formulate policies for nations, that nation will be great. But if you have contrary spirit, it will be like America is now. Can I speak? Shut up. Shut down. That's all they do now. Is that what you see? Bickerings? Because everybody is there. So I believe in that. If you are able, the only fear I have is that, that we will be able to understand what you are, you will be able to understand as individuals, you will be able to understand what your anointing is and what you are called to be. So you will be properly fitted into the group. Because if you go to join the wrong place, you might be the stumbling block there. Because your anointing will work contrary to what it is. If you bring men that have this grace 
for sports, even if they cannot jump anymore because of age, they will be able to uh, figure, I'm telling you the truth, they will be able to look into our children and find out gifts. Are you following what I'm saying? And put them together and encourage them and empower them. And before you know it, you will see men that are great in that class. If you are able to find people who has the grace and the anointing of God, the calling of God upon their life, to sit down and easily figure out how you can take $2 and make $4 out of it. Put them together. They will invest your money properly and they will give you dividends. If you find the wrong person among them, they will go to the wrong place and you lose your funds. That's why I support that idea. And I pray God will help us. I think we got a good thing. But I pray God will give us the grace and the anointing and the wherewithal to fashion it out properly. That is how nation will be built. How many of you know that the church is supposed to be a nation? Oh, <laughs> The church is supposed to be what? A nation. So what you see in Iraq is not the church in Iraq or the church in Pakistan or the church in Nigeria. What you have is the part of the body in Iran, part of the body in Iraq, part of the body in Nigeria, part of the... You understand what I'm saying? The church itself is what? It's one single nation. So when the Bible was talking about the New Jerusalem, it's not talking about geographical location down there. Oh, no. But don't let me take you through a journey that is too far. That's all I want to say about that. So I want to bring my word based on that pedestal, on that periphery, fairy, you know. And what I want to do today is I want to speak quickly on, I've said it before, it's always tough for me to come up with title. But this one I called it, and the Lord said, let me finish it. Let there be light. <laughs> That is how you know people that read the Bible very well. And the Lord said, let us preserve Israel. That's the title of the message I want to preach. You will not read it in any verse of the scripture, but God said it. The only thing you know is you think that the only thing God said is what is written in Genesis chapter 1. Anything God has ever done, he spoke it. And God said, what's your name, ma'am? And God said, let, let us create Marjorie. Do you know you were, God said that years and years before you were made? No, not in your mother's womb. Years before your father and your mother ever met. That is why you are never a creator of accident. It does not matter how your mother and your father met. The design is this. The same way God created Adam and Eve is the same way you were created. The only thing flesh can give back to is flesh, which is an outer case. You resemble your mother. That's the best flesh can do. But inside that packaging or that box is a seed that was divinely spoken. Do you understand what I just said? So when you want to lower yourself 
to the pedestal of the ordinary, you will come and sit down and look at the circumstances around your birth. And then you come and say, oh, only if I was born by, only if, only if, and you explain yourself off from that dimension. And you reduce yourself to nothing. You're not a biological creation. Well, I'm not. And that's the way I carry myself. There was a need somewhere in creation. In creation. And God said, let us make Olumide goodness at the Inca. And he looked around. And then he decided to pick my father and my mother. Boom. And put the seed in there. And then they brought the flesh. Do you see what I'm saying? And then I came forth. So for me to now think that I was born into this world is a misnomer and a misunderstanding of divine purpose. I was created into this world. Can I say that one more time? I was created into this world. I was not born. I was made, fashioned, created spectacularly, specially and brought here. And God said, let us preserve Israel. Let me read, let's go to Psalms number 78. Some 20 years, 18 years backwards, because I stopped pastoring about 18 years. When I was still active in pastoring, this is what I tell the, my people that does teaching for new converts. I give them a charge. If we find, if we have any new convert in the church, they first of all have to read two parts of the scripture before they are allowed to open their Bible to read. They go to two places. The first place they have to read is very compulsory. If you, anybody that I raised, if you meet them anywhere, ask them. That's goodness for you. That's the way I raised them. First of all, read Psalms number 78. Very, very instructive to, for you to understand where God was coming from. When you finish that, now you have to read like seven times. And not because seven is this number of whatever. <laughs> because we make principles of everything. <laughs> no. And then after that, you read John from chapter 1 to chapter 20, 21. When you read that a lot, then you come and then you start the Bible, what you call believer's clinic. And then you'll be taught and taught and taught. If you read Psalms number 78, this is what happened. You hear the story of what happened when God created man and God decided to pick Israel through Jacob. You see the story? All right, everything you read in Genesis from, from Genesis to wherever, to Malachi, and so on and so forth. And he chose uh, Joseph at the time, and he chose this one, and he chose that one, and whatever. And Israel became so disobedient and blah, and they did all they wanted to do, and God was changed. There was a time God were ruling the land with prophets, priests. It got to a time Israel would not listen to them. They were doing whatever they like. Boom. God changed the plan. It started with king. I mean, he brought in kings. The same thing. Now, everything was messed up. Everybody say, everything was messed up. Say one minute. Say, everything was messed up. And let me read from Psalms number 78 and verse number 65. 
God was disappointed. And hear what the Bible said. Then the Lord awoke as from sleep. Do you know what it means to awake as from sleep? Why was God sleeping? <laughs> oh, look at these people, man. Like a mighty man who shouts because of wine. And he beat back his enemies. He put them to a perpetual reproach. 67. Moreover, he rejected the tent of Joseph. Wow. Do you know what that means? Do you know what it means for God to... Do you know what the tent of Joseph is? God Almighty, my creator. I'm not going to let anything stop me. I'm going to where I'm going. Moreover, I rejected the tent of Joseph and did not choose the tribe of Ephraim, Kai, but chose the tribe of Judah, Man Zion, which he loved. And he built his sanctuary like the heights, like the earth, which he has established forever. Please go with me to verse number 70 of this. He also chose David his servant and took him from the chef, from the sheepfolds, from following the hills that had young, he brought him. You see that verse number 71? If you read and understand it from the original script of the Bible, what that verse actually said is this. That from following the hills that are great, that are numerous. He brought him. To shepherd Jacob his people. And Israel his inheritance. So he shepherded them according to the integrity of his heart. And guarded them by the skillfulness of his hands. Please listen. Let me tell you a story of how. David was created. I, I'm not telling you the story of David was born. Let me tell you the story of how David was created. When Saul became a king, Saul was 30 years old. When he was anointed and became the king of Israel. His first year was great. His second year was great. But towards the end of the second year's Second year, he messed up. Samuel saw Saul and said, Saul, you go before me to this city. City A. If you want to find it, go and read it. <laughs> That's why I'm not going to mention the name of the city. And I will be with you in seven days. And when I come in seven days, we are going to make a sacrifice unto God. Make sure you wait for me. Okay, Saul? Make sure you wait. And Samuel went his way. And Saul went his way. Went back to the palace. Seven days after this was said, Saul gathered his men and they went to that city and they were waiting for Samuel to come. 
Unfortunately, there was traffic on the road. So Samuel was late in coming. And it was getting dark. And the people compelled Saul. How long are we going to wait for Samuel? He's anointed and you're anointed. Anointing, anointing. Do this thing, man. Let's get out of here, man. It's Come on. And Saul, he did the voice of the people against the voice of the Lord. And he made the sacrifice. And while he was in the heart, Samuel showed up. What have you done? What are you doing? <laughs> Prophet Samuel, I can explain. <laughs> we waited, remember? The time you said was three. When it was 50 minutes after five, you were late two hours, man. <laughs> and these people told me we got to do what we got to do because it's getting late. I mean, you kept God waiting for long. So we made a sacrifice. And Samuel said, wow. Now with what you have done, the intention of God before was to keep the kinship in your family forever. But with this act that you have done, that you said, let the voice of the Lord sit back while the voice of men prevailed. God has decided, watch this word, God has decided to seek a man for himself whose kingdom he will keep forever. You know what that means? Saul lost the kinship on his second year. Please follow me on this story. I'm going somewhere. Saul lost the kinship right there towards the end of his second year tenure in the office. And God said, I'm seeking after a man, right? Huh. Several years after this incident, he had to fight a war and God gave him instruction. Go after this set of people. And I'm not going to mention the nation. But make sure you don't spear any man. Don't spear any man, any animal. Kill everything, destroy everything. Boom. Saul went. And he decided to spear the king. And he decided to spear some sheep and some animals. And Samuel came in. Now, this is the ninth year of the reign of Saul. Remember, he lost the kingdom on the second year. Seven years after he was still king. And uh, Samuel said, listen, man, I just came to check your after-war experience. How did it go? He said, well, it was great. <laughs> and then Samuel started hearing the beeping of animals. What's the noise I'm hearing? Uh, are, those, are those not animals? He said, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you, you know, the battle was great. We conquered a lot of these guys, man. We killed them like crazy. And so I decided to bring the king, that king, that king, you know, that naughty one. I wanted to show him. So I had to bring him and preserve him. And I preserve some animals so that we can have enough animals to sacrifice unto God. The question you'll ask yourself is this. If God needed sacrifices from animals, will he not reproduce as much as he wanted? There, Samuel said something to Saul. Oh, because you have done this. Now the kingdom... No, that's not how, what happened now. As soon as Samuel said, you should not have done that. Since God gave you the instruction to kill, you kill everything. You listen to God. You, ask, you don't listen to God. Young man, you don't. And Samuel was angry as he was about to leave. So, don't go now. Boom. 
And he tore the garment of Samuel, an effort that ordinary people don't touch. It's a consecrated article. And Samuel pronounced the judgment of them. Because you split my dress, the kingdom has been taken away from you, and God has found. Hear the, can you hear the argument? God has found a man after his own heart who will reign in your stead. Nine years into the reign of Saul, he lost the kingdom in the second year. Ninth year, it was taken away from him. Do you know that in all this time that God was speaking, Jesse and the mother of David had never even met. And God said, I have found David. His parents had not even... Jesse is the age mate of Saul. Let me give you perspective very well. You see what I'm saying? Jesse is Saul's age mate, okay? So, and Saul became king at the age of 30. This is when Saul was 39 years old. David has not been born. David was born when Saul was 47 years old. Did you hear what I just said? David that was found and was given the kingship was born 40, when Saul was 47, 17th year after Saul had become a king. And God found him. God was seeking for him on the second year of Saul. God found him on the, on the ninth year. <laughs> you guys don't understand where I'm going with this. <laughs> and so, what happened between the second year of Saul's reign and the seventh year is this. God was making David. <laughs> the process was first of all to find out who the parents were going to be. And Jesse went into a woman who is a concubine, not married to him. And went in there and, and, and they did what they were to do. And God, okay, <laughs> I found you. <laughs> you're so stupid, you're so sinful. But what I want to give back to is a mystery. And I need the most hopeless human being to bring it forth. And he put the seed in there and left. So the circumstances of your birth is nothing, bro. What you don't know is that the God was interested in bringing forth a seed. And it does not matter through whom you, that seed comes forth. Stop looking at your family background and condemning yourself. You have been stupid. Stupid. Ignorant. Unspiritual. That is how David was created. That is also how you were created. There was a need. Did you understand what I'm saying? There was a need. And God looked further than Saul's failure. After the kingdom was taken away from Saul, Saul still ruled. If you take nine from 42, how many years is that? 33, right? Good. Saul still ruled 33 years after the kingdom was taken away from him. 33 years. Ah. 
If it were you, they told that God has promised God is going to give you kingdom. And you waited 10 years and it didn't happen. You would say, ah, God, that's sin that I committed that has made you to change your mind on me, God! God, 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 visit me afresh. Stop it. Stupidity is worrying you. God is not, you can't stop God. Ignorance is one of the most troubling things to me when it comes to Christianity. Honestly. Just shut your mouth and let God be God. That is how you were created. I've made my first point. So if you go into your room and you go on your knees and you're praying and you are thinking of what happened. Because your brothers and sisters have told you, you are not, you are a bastard. And that has also affected you. There's nothing, nobody can help you. You're on your own. I hope what I just said now will provoke you to understand who you are and begin to see yourself differently from the way you have always believed you are. That's an eternal value statement I just made. Keep that in your back pocket. Let me bring you another thing. As God was making David... God was also making some 400 men. Everybody say 400 men. Genesis chapter, sorry, say Genesis. First Samuel chapter 22. I love Genesis too much, I guess. (laughs) Oh boy. I want to tell you from where I just stopped. Let me introduce you to the, to the second revolution in the biblical layout. And it's not just a revolution. It was a revolution to show you what the church will look like. What I just read in Psalms number 78, you know what he said? He said, God took David from following the sheepfold and he took him from following or shepherding great young ewes. Ewes is the name given to young sheep, right? Do you know what that meant? Let me explain that. Here's this. God wanted to use David, right? He created David. And David came to the earth, right? And he sent David to a school. Here is the school. When Saul became the king of Israel. Saul created some jobs. <laughs> job creation. <laughs> it was the most lucrative job in Israel in those days. You know what the job was? Come and join the military. And everyone, every male child in Israel, it was a pride for them to become. Next time I use the one you hold. <laughs> This is not working. <laughs> if it's the one I will be able to beat my chest the way I like. Don't want to mess up nobody's microphone. I'm okay, I'm okay. I'm just, just don't mind me. I like to have fun when I'm walking. What did I just say now? Oh, Lord my God. 
You see, church is not a place where you look like, hmm, the devil is mad. <laughs> Have fun. Get the word. Get refreshed. Get fired. Go out. Understand yourself. And do great things. That's what church is all about. So everybody in Israel, were, their men were, they were co-opted. It's not even voluntarily. It's not voluntary. They were co-opted. They see big guys with big chest. See all of you young guys, you will have been in Saul's army. <laughs> Bro, Alu, you will have been a general. <laughs> they, were, they, were, they were just recruiting them. And so it was the most lucrative job. You walk on the street with the uniform. Like, man, man. Go, man. And all these five, six years old boys will be looking like, now grow up, man. I'm going to be wearing that uniform. You know what? Yeah. But what happened is this. You see, their father business, because every one of those male guys abandoned that business, the business was corrupted. Now watch this. I'm going to bring some wisdom here. They lost a great number of animals. Lion, wolves, bear were just coming and having a field day on these frogs. Until David at the age of 13 took over. 13. All this is documented in the scripture. You just have to look for You just have to have an eye to find them. He took over the sheepfold. And you know what happened? By the time he took over, the Bible recorded it that the animals were so few. But you know what God was doing? Or what God started to do? As soon as, Jake, as David took over that business, something started to happen. The few animals that would normally produce one or two offspring at birth were not given back to numerous offspring. Can I say that one more time? So from small animals, a great number of hues came out. Hues was not just talking about sheep. It's just, that's just a word to represent all young ones. Cattle, goat, whatever. Many of them were great. So David was about, God was simply telling David this. You are about to start a revolution that will only need a new generation. And while these animals were great and plenty, when David has just thought, okay, well, I'm going to grow this fold to become great in Israel, that was when God said, you're done. Come. How would you like it if you started business or you took over business and you, that when I was crumbling, and you built it up to a point where it's beginning to have a name and God come and God said, that's not the intent. It's just a, School. Do you know the only reason why God took his to Jacob to shepherd the fold? Do you know the reason why? Number one, to understand how sheep functions. But mainly, the main reason was David needed to go and see and get to understand the kind of fire that he carries inside of him. Because one day when a bear came and wanted to attack one of these small animals, David went against him, smote him. Do you know how big David was? The Bible described him as Rudy. Do you know what Rudy means? Small wind can carry him. He doesn't have weight. If the wind blows too much, the guy, you see the guy flying off. But that small little thing smote a bear. Another time a lion came. That little thing smote the lion. And God said, I think you passed the exam. Let's go to the next level. 
And he abandoned a very prosperous business that has a lot of future. And God took him to the palace. 1 Samuel 22. Unfortunately, when he got there, Saul was hungry and Saul went after his life. Saul wanted to kill him. You know all this story, right? But let me bring some important things. Verse 22. Chapter 22, verse number 1. David therefore departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. So when his brothers and all his father's house had it, they went down there to him. Do you remember his brothers had gone to Saul? But when they now realized that the economy of the land of Israel was going down, <laughs> they joined their junior brother, the one they despised initially. If you would just wait for the timing of God, those that despise you, I think you are less to nothing, will come along with you. And everyone who was in distress, do you see the qualification? Everyone who was in distress, everyone who has debt, <laughs> they finished their credit card. <laughs> they were always sitting back and discovered. Oh, everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was discontented, who doesn't like the way the economy was going, and also was ruling, just, they just hated everything. It's called rebellion. It is you that think that word is a bad word. It is not when God initiates it. Gathered to him, so he became captain over them. And these were about 400 men with him. So while God was making David and putting that fire inside of that seed, God was also making some other men and putting the same fire. Can I submit to you guys? Listen to this very well. When you read about David smoting the lion and the bear, David was not the only one that did that in the Bible. Actually, one of his boys did exactly the same thing. Smote a lion with his bear fished. When you hear, when you heard that David went and he attacked the Philistines and he conquered them and he killed 200 men, I can tell you this, brothers and sisters, there were men that were superior in anointing and that kind of anointing that David. One went against 800 Philistines and smote him with his sword. David never did that before. 800 men. One had a sword, and the Philistines camped against Israel. And the army of Israel looked at the Philistines. <laughs> they ran, and a single man stood on the field at the boundary line. Bring it on with a sword. And he smote 300 men, and the rest of Philistines fled from him. By the time it was done, they could not even take the sword out of his hand. Is, is this flesh had grown into the sword. Those are the kind of men that David has. Why was God, why did God create all these guys? You wonder why? Because a revolution has to take place in Israel. But you know what? These men did not just gather together. They gathered because they are of the same kind. Did you hear what I just said? Some were discontented. 
That was enough reason. I don't like the way this system is working. I can't stand this. This is not going to happen. No, I'd rather stand alone than stand with this nonsense. Boom. Some were in debt to their carelessness. <laughs> they spent it all in messes. But they still gathered. And every other person. And 400 of them gathered. 400 of them gathered. But they had one singular identity. You know what it was? They want a change in the system of Israel. Because Israel was going down. And God said no to it. Ha! I won't comment on that. I BK, thank you. Those are my enemies, though. Can you imagine I'm in church preaching? Somebody's calling me. <laughs> Don't they know I'm a pastor? <laughs> Shouldn't they know I should be on my, about my father's business? Those are my enemies over their friends. <laughs> so, 400 men gathered. Here's what I'm trying to say to you. If you gather with your kind, if only you can find your kind, if only you can find your kind, guys, and you gather with your kind, there is nothing that can stop you. Don't have this sense of wanting to belong. That is the first virus that corrupts you. When you look at a kind and you want to be like them, you are already corrupted. You will never be able to identify yourself, which is called rat racing. Don't decide to unmake yourself the way God made you and remake yourself the way the enemy wants you to be. Because the first thing they steal from you is your purpose. You see, all the battles against you is not waged for any other reason than to dislodge you from the intent and the purpose for which God created you. That is all. That is all. I don't know how much time I have. Can I go to... Do I still have time? A few more minutes. Can still kill one more bird. <laughs> 400 men of the same kind gathered, right? Let me, do, do you realize this? These guys abandoned their house, abandoned their family, abandoned investment, abandoned everything. They were in the wilderness, a no man's land. The question is how were they feeding? Listen, when there is the identity of who you are is in you, even if they put you on a ground that is caused, the ground will respond. To sustaining you. 
Let me say that one more time. We use our senses to rationalize and define situations that are fitting and progressive for ourselves. You know what? I need to relocate from Georgia and go to Washington this year. I know if Obama knows me, I will get a job. Um, uh, especially now, <laughs> she, he's not going to get it. <laughs> Here's what happened. So you know how these guys were feeding? They will help farmers to grow and keep their farm, protect their farm against animals, and the agreement is always this, which is a common practice in the land of the East then. The agreement is always at the end of the day when the harvest is done, you give them 10%. You see what I'm saying? They will also keep animals. You remember Naba? The, the man that has wisdom. <laughs> Opposite of wisdom. <laughs> That, that was the thing. That was why God fought for David. Because it's, an, it's a normal situation. So David, will pro, they will protect because they are men of war. Men of war. Men of what? Great war. They are not, take, they are not trying to take over land. No! In fact, these guys became mercenary at the time. War mercenary. They were fighting battles for... At the time, they fought for Philistines. Which is the number one enemy. Of Israel. Now, all this time that Saul was king over Israel, you know what was happening? The Philistines and the Amalekites would come against Israel. They will allow Israel to plant. And when it is time for harvest, that's when they show up. <laughs> and they show up with their sword and collect the harvest and go. It was a yearly thing. Saul could not help. Every time Saul here, the Philistines are here. Hey! Oh boy. <laughs> the guy goes to his bunker. <laughs> He stays in his bunker. The armies too, they scatter. And that was how they were feeding. And it was like they were useless human beings that have nowhere in future to go. That's what you were taught. But there was a destiny carved out for this miserable man. Because why? They were of the same kind and they have only one intention. Along the line, the Philistines invaded Israel. And what happened was there was war. Very terrible war. One of the most troublesome war Israel ever fought against the Philistines. To cut the story short, from the battleground, Saul fled and they went after Saul. And they caught up with Saul, shoot an arrow to Saul, pierced him and he was greatly wounded. They killed Jonathan. They killed three of Saul's sons. Jonathan, a very good friend of David, right? Killed him. And Saul was miserable, heavily wounded. And he asked his armor bearer, he said, You know what? I can't make it. I can't make it. I only have few. Follow me. Use the sword. Smite me. <laughs> so I will not do that. It's not going to happen. I'm not going to do that, you know? So I picked his own sword, put it on the ground, and fell on it. Boom. Ended his own life. And the armor bearer looked at him, oh, my master? Oh, well, if you go, I'll follow. That was also another man that has the same kind of spirit as Saul has. He killed himself. And the Philistines got there, and they saw the dead body of Saul, 
And they were, hang- they were happy. They, they pro- broadcasted it to everywhere, disseminated the news, and took his dead body and hung it. They nailed it to a flat board just to display public humiliation. And when the news got to the same soldiers of Israel that ran away from the Philistines, when they got, to, when they got the news, especially the sons of Ephraim, Okay, that's another enemy trying to call you. They gathered themselves, men of Ephraim, gathered themselves and went to the Philistines in the night while they were sleeping because these guys got themselves drunk, <laughs> rejoicing over Saul's death. And they took the dead body down, brought it back to the land and buried him as a king should be buried. When David had it, and you remember the guy that brought the news, <laughs> Who was not there? <laughs> he said, sir, I just have good news for you. Your enemy is dead. Your enemy is dead now. I killed him. <laughs> David said, how dare you touch the anointed of the Lord? He said, take him not too far from me. I don't want to see his blood split on me. Kill him. And David gathered the 400 men. He said, I want to ask of the Lord. Should I go back to Hebron? And the Lord said, go back to Hebron. Ah, this was 30 years after David was born. No, sorry, sorry, sorry. Let me take that back. 23 years after David, David was 23 years old. Yeah. And so David and his men went to Hebron. And they decided to take land and to settle. Hebron is a part of Judah. And the men of Judah came and said, David, we know you. We recognize the time you were following Saul and all this nonsense that happened to you. You know what? We want you to become the king of Judah. It was two tribes. The other one were ten tribes. You remember the story? You know what I'm saying? And he was ordained as the king. Anointed as the king. No prophet did the anointing service. Though. Okay. <laughs> oh, Lord. I've seen some things in ministry. <laughs> But anyway, he became king over Judah. And he was reigning over Judah seven years. And seven years after, the same guys that followed Saul held a meeting. I said, listen guys, <laughs> with the stories we had about the exploits of David and his men, we better go submit to. Because <laughs> if those guys pounce on us, <laughs> Israel went and said, you know what? We just don't want you to be king over Judah. We want you to be king over Israel. Can you see the journey? Did you see the journey? And David became the king. That was after God has allowed Israel to give birth. I want to say something that is deep now. You ready? That is after God has allowed Israel to give birth to young Hughes. Did you hear what I just said? All these years, you know what God was doing? Giving birth to what? Young Hughes. Because the revolution will take just young ones. And David became the king of the whole nation of Israel. I will round up here. You were not born, you were created. 
Anywhere you say that, put my name there that I said it. I will take up any man, whether his name is Pope or Popes, on that. Truth! Deep scriptural truth. Deep scriptural truth. You were not born, you were created. No, it's not a laughing matter. It's not something you smile on. It's very deep. It's not ordinary. You were not born. You were created. And if that is the truth, why do you guys think that some who don't give birth have done something wrong? Did you hear what I just said? You know how we look at people who have not given birth to children and we think they are missing out? It's because you have always saw yourself as the, the owner of that child. <laughs> I gave back to him. <laughs> I gave back to him. You didn't give back to nobody. Can I say that one more time? You did not give back to what? To nobody. God created the ones you call your own, so stop calling them your own. And he has the only right, the sole right, to do whatever he likes with them. But be careful. Because you are custodians. Custodians means you are not owners. You were only allowed to help to raise them. Be careful. Be careful. I will stop. Some things wants to come out of my mouth that is not too good. Because you will not be able to handle it. That's the reason. It's, that's the only reason. You may, you may not be able to, to, to handle it. So let me keep quiet. But I'm not going to say it because I'm afraid. I just, want to, I just decide not to say it because you may not be able to handle it. Find your kind. In this affinity group, I'm not saying this is what God will use, but I think we are inching him so closely to the original plan of God. You follow what I'm saying? So closely, so closely, so closely, so closely, so closely. Because here's what happens. In order to raise a nation, every indigene or citizen must find their kind and that is what you call a nation. The body of Christ is like mine, right? Christ is the head. See this? They have the same kind. See this? Same kind. Your heart, your soul, your kidney, your same kind. If you have a contrary cell in your kidney, that kidney is malfunctioning. But you see, all these parts are just enumerated to you. They have different what? Different calling, different jobs, different things they need to do. They are gifted and anointed differently. You are anointed, but you may not be, you may not carry the same anointed as your best friend. So when your best friend goes this way, and you, and you go that way. Did you understand what I'm saying? Yes. Or your senior brother goes this way, you too, you go that way. No. It will take men and women who will be ready to stand alone and not mind whose ox is God. To really be able to find their kind by first of all locating their anointing. 
God bless you. Merry Christmas to you. <laughs>